Hey, this is Pastor Chris Garcia from Numa Church, and we're so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. I pray that as you listen to today's message, God will speak to your heart in a powerful way. All right, guys, thank you for coming to church this morning. God bless. No, no, I'm kidding. It's like, what in the world is Pastor doing? All right, guys, thank you so much, worship team. Can we give it up for our worship team this morning? Aren't we grateful for them and production and everyone else that does an amazing job in this house? We are in a series that we have titled, We Are Numa. Okay, we are Numa. And we're doing literally a deep dive into who we are as a church. Okay, our vision, our values, what makes us what we are. And if you missed last week's teaching, I started it. And it was uh, very similar to doing step one of the growth track because I was able to dive in into the four steps of our vision. And if you were not here, I would encourage you guys to go to the YouTube channel and that you will listen to it. If you're part of this house and you've been part of the spiritual family, these kind of series are important because you get to refresh a little bit of our identity, what God has called us to do. If you're new, all right, and you've just joined us this year towards the end of last year, this series is going to be powerful because you're going to hear it directly from me and what I believe is from God's heart to you guys as a church. Why, okay, we are the way that we are. What role has God called us to play in the body of Christ? You know, I was giving this example last week that the body of Christ is wonderful. Even this morning I woke up and there's a bunch of pastors that are local pastors that I'm in fellowship with. And this morning I was praying individually for each one. And I was praying for each of their churches and each of the services that they were going to have today. The body of Christ is amazing. But each of us have a different role and a different function in the body of Christ. Each congregation, it does a little something different than others. And that's awesome. We don't all have to be the same. All right. I've given the example and Paul says it. The eye is different than the ear. The nose is different than the foot. The foot is different than the hand. But we all play part of what? Of one body. We are all necessary. Just because your hand is different, you don't say, okay, let's chop off the hand. We don't need that. All right? How many of you guys have woken up in the morning and hit the corner of the bed with your little, the little finger on your foot? Has that ever happened? Okay, question. How many of you guys were thinking of the little finger on your foot before I mentioned that? Nobody. But it's there. But when you hit it, boy, it hurts so much. Well, let me tell you something. We are all needed in the body of Christ, and we all serve a function. All right, so I encourage you to go back to that teaching and that you will listen to it. And I spoke about the four phrases of our vision. I don't know how many of you guys remember the four phrases of our vision. Anybody out there remembers? Okay, the first one is to love God. All right, God is calling us to teach people to do what? To love him. Number two is to be free. Once you fall in love with God and you start a relationship with him, there's some things that he wants to deal with with each of us that we're carrying from the way that we were before. The Bible calls it the flesh. And we need to be free from those things. So be free, all right? It's the second phrase of our vision. The third one is live on purpose. And we want you guys as a church, each of you in this room, to live your life on purpose. Not just to wake up and say, okay, let's see what today holds. No, 
You need to have a clear vision, a clear purpose of what God has called you to do here on this earth. And you know what it is? The fourth one is to make a difference. Church, I want to tell you something. God has called you to make a difference in this life. For example, you're called to make a difference in your family. Some people in your family are never going to meet Pastor Chris. Some people in your family are never going to meet Numa Church, but they know you. And you're called to make a difference where? Right there in your family, in your community. You know, we live in the day and age that you don't have an idea who your neighbor is. That happened to you guys? You have a guy that lives two houses down the block and you don't even have an idea who's there, what's his name, what's his family like. You know that we're called to make a difference in our community? So these are the four phrases of our vision. And then we spoke about culture. All right, and this is what makes us, pay attention, the culture is what makes, okay, a church to be healthy or unhealthy. And this is where we're going to do a deep dive during these next few weeks, because the culture determines if the church, listen, not a perfect church, okay, there's no perfect church in the world, but there's healthy churches, And I want you guys to be part of a healthy church. You know what we strive for? We strive for health. And if there's health, there's growth. If there's health, there's good relationships. If there's health, and what establishes the health? Say it with me, culture. Can you say that? The culture establishes the health. And how is the culture established? By core values. You need to have core values. You want to have a healthy culture at home? You need to have values at home. What do you guys hold dear? What do you guys value? The other day we were in Orlando doing the service over there, and I, I have to bring that video, babe, the one of the dog. I have to put that video. I, have to, I was in the house of our host over there in Orlando, and you're not going to believe it. The dog, okay, won't eat until the people of the house pray for the food. I've never seen that. I'm like, this dog is going to heaven. This is a holy dog. The dog will sit there and the food is in his plate and the lady will get up and walk next to him and she says a prayer and she goes, all animals were created by God and everything that has breath, praise the Lord. And she does all these things. And when she said, amen, then the dog got up and he started eating his food. Like, man, I'm having a hard time getting my kids to pray before they, you know, and this is a holy dog right here. Why do they do that? Because it's a value that they have in their home. They, they won't drink something before giving God thanks for what they're going to drink. That's powerful. And we all need to have values that determine who we are, why we do the things that we do. And as a church, we are like that as well. Here at Numa Church, and once again, I make reference to the growth track. If you do step one of your growth track, you'll find out that we have 10 core values. And every once in a while, I'll mention them in the teaching, you know, and we'll do, you know, some, a series like the one that we're doing. But I haven't done a series like this in a while. And what are those 10 core values? One, dependence, honor, integrity, humility, obedience, generosity, excellence, perseverance, gratitude, and generational mentality. So we're going to start breaking these down as we go in these services. Some weeks I'm going to hit two of them at a time. Other weeks I'm going to hit one at a time. Today is one of those that is a big one. So today I'm just going to stay in one and we're going to look into it. All right. And I want to tell you something. They make NUMA what we are. 
They make the spiritual family what it is. And it's important that us as followers of Christ, we would adopt these and let them be part of who we are. Okay, you're going to see that each of these values are backed up by the Bible. I'm not going to come up here and tell you, hey, I want you to live this when it's something that is not scriptural. All right, everything that we're going to look into these next few weeks is in the Word of God and is part of the nature and the character of Christ. So today we're going to start with one that I thought it was very proper because we're coming into these Valentine's days, you know, in February we think about relationships and all that. And I think that this is a very important core value that we were talk about. And we're going to talk today about integrity. We're going to talk about integrity. We're going to talk about relationships. I think that it's important that there's integrity in the way we relate with each other, the way we relate with God. So I've titled my message today, The Lost Treasure of Integrity. Oh, it's becoming more and more lost every day. One time I heard a great pastor and great men of God say that everything rises and falls on leadership. And that sounds like a great phrase. But you know what? I tend to say it a little different. I tend to say everything rises and falls on integrity. Because you can be a great leader, a great man of God, a great dad. And if there's no integrity, sooner or later, it's not going to be able to sustain everything that God wants to do. Integrity is so important and is becoming more and more, okay, extinct. Starting to become like the dinosaurs, to find integrity in a person. My wife and I were watching a, a, a series about the Night Templars. And I like looking at all these series, you know, that are very adventurous and manly and everything. And my wife sort of like, you're like, all right, he wants to see this. Yesterday we were doing a, a, a thing with the Welcome Home team. Like, what's Pastor Chris's favorite movie? My favorite movie is Braveheart. If you like that movie, man, there's a lot of killing, a lot of blood, a lot of craziness. What's your second favorite movie? Gladiator. It's a lot of killing, a lot of blood, a lot of craziness going on. <laughs> What's your third favorite movie? I'm still looking for it. I think it's King Arthur. A lot of killing, a lot of... Anyways. And in this series that we've been looking about, the Night Templars, they're looking for the Holy Grail. You know, and they're looking about the Holy Grail, the cup that Christ used in the Last Supper to drink from, and they are doing whatever it takes to look for that Holy Grail. They're going to different continents. They're fighting different battles and all these different, because there's a treasure that if they find, according to them, if they drink from the cup that Christ drank from, even if you're sick, you will be healed and you have amazing power and amazing authority. So these guys are doing whatever it takes to find that treasure. Well, let me tell you something. Integrity should be like that. You should do whatever it takes to find it. And once you find it, to maintain it and to live in it and to go after it with your whole heart. You see, integrity is something that as people of God, we need to take back. These guys were talking about taking back the grail for the church. Well, I want to tell you something. We need to take integrity back for the church. We need to take this value back for the church. For example, I just put a couple of things. If you identify with it, I'm not picking on you, but just some very important things. When you give your word, Jesus says, let your yes be yes, 
and you're no, no. All right? Sometimes when I'm, you know, talking to my kid, he's like, Dad, I'm saying the truth. I swear to God. I'm like, bro, you don't need to swear to God. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Relax. We've lost that. Okay? What you do when no one is looking, it has to do with hidden secrets that we all have in our lives, things that we deal with. The way that you handle your finances. You know that the way that you handle your finances talks about your integrity? And we'll dive into that in a little bit. How you handle your time talks about integrity. If you tell somebody, I'm going to be there at 9 in the morning, you don't show up at 9.30. You honor, you respect that person's time. That has to do with integrity. These are things that are lost that we need to pick up. How you stay truth to yourself. A lot of times we try to be who we're not because we want to be liked or we want to be accepted. We want to we be part of a group or, or some people. And when you really check yourself, you're like, this is not who I am. That's not integrity. That's lack of integrity. The way that you stay honest with others, I wrote truthful. The way that you stay honest with others, even when you do business with people. It's so important that we live these things and that, that we, we, we make them ours. All these things have to do with integrity. And I want to tell you that of our 10 core values at NUMA, I think that the value of integrity is the one that reflects Jesus most to the world. Because when you look at the life of Jesus, man, there was no other man that walked this earth like Jesus. He was so powerful. He was so mighty. So we reflect them, and we're going to look into that in a little bit. So what's the definition of integrity? There's a couple of things that when you look to the dictionary, you know, it's, it tries to define integrity. For example, complete, solid, whole, strength under pressure. And that's a phrase that my pastor, Pastor Larry, loves to use, strength under pressure. You want to live in integrity? What do you do when there's pressure in your life? When everything is crumbling down, how do you act? How do you respond? Okay. So when we talk about integrity, there's a couple of verses that come to my mind that I want to share with you this morning. The first one is found in Psalm 26, 1 and 2. And this is King David speaking. He says, declare me innocent. He's talking to God. And he says, Lord, declare me innocent. Oh Lord, for I have acted with integrity. He goes, since I've acted with integrity, Lord, I need you to declare me innocent. I know the position of my heart in front of you. I know that I haven't done anything wrong. Maybe they're accusing me or telling me something, but Lord, declare me innocent because I have acted with integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Look how much is his confidence in God? He goes, put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart, for I'm always aware of your unfailing love. In other words, I'm always aware that you're there. I'm always aware that you're looking. I'm always aware that you're present, and I have lived according to your truth. So can we tell the Lord, Lord, I want you to cross-examine me? I want you to check, all right, that the condition, okay, of my heart and my motives are with integrity. 
That, that verse is so powerful. And then we go to Matthew 15, verse 19. And the next two verses we're going to look at is Jesus talking. He goes, from the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. And then Luke 6, verse 43 to 45, Jesus says, A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. Pay attention. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. But why did you read these three verses? Because according to those three verses, if we want to look for integrity, you know where integrity comes from? From the heart. Integrity comes from where? Integrity is found where? In the heart. It's found in the heart. And one of the things that I need to say this morning is that you can't teach integrity. Either you have it or you don't. I could preach to you guys here until my face turns blue today. All right? The Super Bowl will start and go into halftime. I'm not too excited about the halftime. Last year I was excited about the halftime because that's the music that I grew up with. Dr. Dre and Snoop and all these. The man Snoop was smoking a joint in the back before the performance. That was crazy. They have been looking for him ever since and they haven't found him yet. I think he might still be in the back. But anyways, that's another story. All right. If you feel that integrity is an issue that you deal with, today I want you to ask the Lord to do a miracle in your heart. If you're a person that you look into your life and you're like, man, pastor, I don't know if I have this down packed. I'm believing for God to do a miracle. When you look for integrity in the Bible, there's a gold standard of integrity. And that gold standard of integrity in the Bible is a man by the name of Job. Actually, we're going to look into him for a second. It's Job 1 verse 1. His name is synonymous with integrity. Job 1.1, 1, 1, it says, There was once a man named Job. All right. One time I was with somebody, he goes, There was once a man named Job, you know, because you could read it like Job or Job. Like, bro, if your name is Job, you're going to have a hard life. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be working all your life, you know? His name is not Job, it's Job, all right? Who lived in the land of Uz. Okay, this is like the whole Iraq area today. Pay attention to what the Bible says. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. Boy, if we would have those things that it says there, we're going to be good. All right? So today I want to share with you guys four insights about integrity. That if you learn and we all put to practice, listen, it's going to be a great treasure that you're going to add to your life. It's going to be like if you found that, like you found that, that you value so much. That's how this is going to be if, if you learn it. Number one, write this down if you're taking notes. 
The fear of God is the foundation of integrity. If you want to know what's the foundation of integrity, you know what it is? It's the fear of God. Now, it's not to be afraid of God. You don't need to be afraid. Well, we, 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 we need. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to walk around afraid of God, like thinking that he's going to hit you with lightning or anything like that. But there needs to be this respect, this awe, this sense of wonder, the fear of God. And it says that man, that Job was a man that what? That feared God. According to this verse, okay, to fear God is to walk away from evil. That's what that verse says. Job feared God and he did what? He walked away from evil. Do you know people that sometimes they ask you, how close could I get to the line without crossing over? How close can I get to doing something that I really shouldn't be doing, but how close can I get? Because I don't want to fail God, but I want to get as close as I can have you ever heard that? I want to walk that fine line. I remember as a youth pastor, students would ask me, Pastor, I, I, you know, when, when I'm with my girlfriend, exactly when do I get to the point of sin? I'm like, brother, that question right there seems that like you need to go the other way, bro. <laughs> run, Joseph, run. That was like an insight that we had. Joseph was the one that Potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with him, and he just ran the other way. The fear of God, okay, is to walk away from evil. Don't we all know people that get as close as they can to the line or to the fire and they don't want to get burned? And then all of a sudden when they get burned, they're like, how did this happen? <laughs> they're like surprised. And you were bound to get burned. You were playing with fire. You were playing with fire. You know what the fear of God, and I want to give you a quick definition of what I think it means, that his word is gold for you. His presence is gold for you. His approval is gold for you. You want to make sure that with your actions, with your words, with the things that you do, you're getting the approval of God, the approval of heaven. Can my father smile down upon this that I'm about to do? This relationship that I'm building, this business venture that I'm getting involved in. Because you see, when you have the fear of God in your heart, you will do whatever it takes to bring pleasure to the heart of your Father. You'll do whatever it takes. You'll break whatever relationship you need to break. You'll put an end and a stop to whatever behavior you need to deal with when that fear of God is present in your life. And I know some of you guys that are here in this room this morning have made decisions in your life because you have the fear of God. There's been certain decisions that you've made that you're saying, you know what, I can't continue on. I can't, I'm not going to go down that route. I'm not going to go down that way because there's fear of God in my heart and in my life. I want to tell you that an integrity is so hard to build and so easy to destroy. It'll take a lifetime of you building integrity and listen to what I'm going to say. Five minutes can destroy it. Five minutes can destroy it. You can have 14 things down packed in your life. And there's one that is broken. And that one could bring the whole structure down. Could bring your whole life down. Tonight is the Super Bowl. 
and I'm excited to watch the Super Bowl. And one of the Super Bowl commentators that works for the NFL Network, his name is Michael Irving. Michael Irving was a receiver for the University of Miami. Then he went on to play for the Dallas Cowboys. He won like three championships with the Cowboys, something like that. About three. I'm not Rod. I don't know about the Cowboys. I don't really care about the Cowboys. I don't like the Cowboys. But anyway, I think he won like three or four championships with the Cowboys. And he lives here in Miami and Dallas. And he works for the NFL Network. And this week, as he was getting ready for the game, and, you know, he's anchoring with a staff of former players and stuff like that, a scandal or news came out about a lady that he met in the lobby of the hotel when he came back from drinking a couple of drinks. He didn't know exactly how many drinks he had taken. Just He said, I had a couple of drinks. You know, when we say, oh, I did a couple of this or a couple of that, it's not always a couple. <laughs> Is one too much. <laughs> and he said, well, I had a couple of drinks and I had a 45-second conversation with her caught on camera in the WR Marriott of Dallas. It's caught on camera and he shakes hands and he leaves. Well, because of something that happened in that conversation, okay, he got suspended from being part of the team in the Super Bowl. He got sent back home and his job is about to be terminated. What can you say to somebody in 45 seconds that that person will take it to the news and to the authority and all of a sudden everything that you've worked for after you retired from football is now put on the line? 45 seconds. I said you could throw everything away in five minutes. He found out to do it in 45 seconds. It'll take me a little bit more than 45 seconds even to figure out what the heck am I trying to do. But anyways, that's another story. <laughs> Baby, I love you. I just got to say that right now. Because you, you know what about integrity? You can't buy integrity once you've lost it. You can't go down to the store and buy integrity. You can't go to the pawn shop. You can't go to the mall. You can't go to Saks Fifth Avenue. You're not going to buy integrity once you lost it. You know how hard it is for people to trust you again? I feel like sneezing when I hear this, man. It gets like this. So how can you protect yourself to keep your integrity? I'm talking about the fear of God as the foundation of integrity. How do you protect yourself? For example, married couples. How many married couples do I have here this morning? All the married couples. Okay, this is a tip I'm going to give you. You don't even have to go to the dinner tomorrow. This one's for free right here. All right, number one, if you're married, never, and especially gentlemen, all right, never be alone with a woman that is not your wife. Don't be alone with a woman that is not your wife. Ladies, don't be in a conversation that you don't need to go to except with your husband, with another man. You see, the gold standard in ministry for this was the Reverend Billy Graham. 99 years old, and you never heard a scandal about this guy. You never heard a word about this guy. Now, he was very intentional about it. He was so intentional that if he was in an elevator by himself and a girl walked in or a lady walked in by herself, he would get down from the elevator in whatever floor it was. And then he would wait for the next car so that he could go up. 
if he was by himself because he would say, who knows what she could say that I did in that elevator with her. This talks about what? Putting limits, boundaries, healthy. To take care of what? Of your integrity. If you're single, single people, where are my single people at this morning? There you go. We have a couple of happy single people. Come on, baby. I'm going to put my single people one day to come up here in the platform, man. We're going to say, look, these guys right here, they're men and women of God. Single people, all right? Don't put yourself in a difficult situation with somebody of the opposite sex. Don't put yourself in a situation where you know you shouldn't be in. And I used to be almost to the point of legalistic with this. I wasn't legalistic. You guys know me? Julie, I was legalistic. Come on, Julie. Are you going to throw me under the bus? I'm preaching. I don't know how many people are looking through this camera. You and Max? So I was the youth pastor, right? And I used to have certain rules in the youth ministry. And some of those rules, if you're going to get in the car, is boys with boys, girls with girls. I don't want boys and girls going alone in the car. I'm like, what in the world? And I would be the first one to keep it. When I would be in my car, I would be with a bunch of guys. And now the bad thing is that when we go somewhere, none of those guys have money, and I usually have to pay for everybody in the car. But that's another story. That's lack of integrity by all those guys that were in that car. But anyways, when I was driving around, I wasn't going to be caught when I was single with a girl in that car. I would have, you know what, the boys or myself to the point, to the point. That when Gabby and I started dating, you know how it was? I wouldn't go pick her up. I would have her dad go and drop her off at wherever it was that we were going to meet. Why? Because I knew that I was the standard for the youth ministry. And if I would allow anything to happen, then everybody else was going to be doing who knows what. Single people, it's worth it later on. It's worth it later on. Don't be caught in a closed room, closed door with somebody of the opposite side. Because then they can say, oh, he did this, she did this, he said that. There's nobody in there to prove it. You guys understand what I'm talking about? The fear of God is you see that over there, then, oh, oh I'm going to be over here. I'm going I'm to run from that. Okay? One of the greatest challenges that we have of integrity today, you know what it is? Social media. Social media is probably the greatest threat to integrity right now in the life of people. Why? Because who knows what you have in your social media? Who knows who you're following, what you're looking at, what you're doing? Back in my days, if I wanted to look into something inappropriate, man, I had to go somewhere to buy it. Right now, I don't have to go. No, I could download all that stuff into my phone. And nobody knows. And I know that this is a challenge in the days and the age that we're, that we're living. This speaks about what your private life. I want to give you a quick tip, something that my wife and I do. All our accounts are together. She has all my passwords. I have hers. And sometimes you're like, oh, look, Pastor Chris is on Instagram. No, not really. She's the one that is checking my Instagram. <laughs> Actually, I had an Instagram account with I don't even know how many followers, and I closed it. And my kids were like, are you going to close your Instagram account? I'm like, yeah. Like, why are you doing it? Because there's a bunch of inappropriate things that are coming up in there. And sometimes I feel that if I keep that there, it's going to get me thinking sometimes. And I'd rather keep my integrity than do things that I shouldn't be doing. And Jesus says, if your hand makes you sin, cut it off. 
Now, I'm not saying, okay, guys, we're going to have an axe back there. Come on. At the end of the service, bring it. Just going to in the kitchen real quick. But whatever area of your life causes you to stumble, you need to be watching out for that. You need to put an eye on it. You can't let it go unchecked. You can't let it go unchecked. You want to know the fear of the Lord in marriage? You know what the fear of the Lord looks like in marriage? There's no secrets between us. There's no secrets. The moment that you have your secret over here and this over there and, oh, and by the way, I don't believe in separate bank accounts. Oh, no, is that that's her check and she could use it for whatever. No, 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 there's no two here. The two became one. A long time ago, they became one. I got the guys cheering. It looks like we have an issue, baby, that you got to deal with in the women's conference. But anyways. <laughs> and the guy starts saying amen. Oh, you got the ladies uh, thing coming up on a couple of Wednesdays. I could come if you want. I could talk to the girl. But anyways, we need to recover the fear of God if we're going to walk in integrity. Number two, integrity is manifested with your example. Integrity is manifested with your example. I'm going to run through this one, but I want to tell you, people are watching you. Okay, your wife, if you're a husband, is watching you. Your children are watching you. Your co-workers are watching you. Your friends are watching you. And you can be here and say, well, I don't do things for people. Yeah, that's fine. But if you're in a position, okay, of lead, if you're a husband, if you're a wife, your kids are looking at you. Your example speaks more than your words sometimes. There's a saying that says, what you're doing doesn't let me hear what you're saying. What you're doing doesn't let me hear what you're saying. Well, I could say a hundred beautiful words up here. But what you're doing. And a lot of us focus on the, private, on the public life. You know, we need to focus on the private life. We need to focus on the example that we're giving at home. Those that are closest. John Maxwell defines success. Those that love you and are the closest to you are the ones that love you and respect you the most. Those that are close to you, that know you the most, are the ones that love you and respect you the most. One time, one of my mentors, Ron Luce, many years ago, invited us down to Texas, a bunch of youth pastors. We were, you know, up and coming and doing a lot of great things, and he sat us down, and he told us the following. He goes, oh, you can stand in whatever platform around the world. You could go and preach and have your sermons and all this, but remember, at the end of the day, you're going to go back to one wife, and you're going to go back to your kids. And if you have that platform in check, then you can stand with authority in whatever platform around the world. How about that? You could give it up for Jesus for that. I was being taught all that. Talks about what? Your private life. Talks about your example. Integrity is more than talk. It's our walk. It's the importance of our actions. It has to do with that my behavior and my words would match. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He was an example worth following. 
I want to ask you this morning, church, are we examples worth following? When you walk in that kind of integrity, you know what it does? It brings lasting success with people. You know why? Because they start to see a constant life. They start to see consistency in you. And we want people to see consistency. In other words, when they see you walking, when they see you acting, they know when you're in front of a situation, oh, they know how you're going to act. They know what you're going to say. They know what route you're going to go. You see, consistency becomes predictable. And you know what it gives? A sense of security. It gives a sense of security. You know in what direction that person is going to go, what they're going to do. And we got to treat people with integrity, church. We got to treat people with integrity and be a great example while we do it. For example, I'm just going to give you a few things that I think that are important. Take responsibility for your actions. That's integrity. If you mess up, by the way, there's nobody perfect in this room. When you mess up, say, hey, I messed up. I'm sorry. I apologize. What can I do to better this? What can I do to get this right? Admit when you're wrong and ask forgiveness. You know how hard that is to hear nowadays? You know how hard it is? I try to teach my children, you know what? Learn to put your head down and apologize. Learn to ask for forgiveness. Treat people better than they treat you. Treat people better than they treat you. A lot of times we treat people good depending on what you could get from that person. There's an interest involved. No, no, treat everybody the same. Treat them better than they would treat you. Honor the image of God that those people carry. Help people that can't help you. I put it like that. Help people that can't help you. Keep your promises even when it hurts. Oh, it's so easy to get out of a commitment today. Oh, I don't want to do this. Oh, it's not good. But once you give your word, in my eyes, oh, you're stuck on that until it's done. Until we're done. That's integrity. You know what I said? Follow through. It's so easy to stop following through. Oh, no. No, follow through. If you said you were going to be there to a certain person or a certain time, you know what? You do that. What are you modeling, parents, to your kids at home? This is important. Your kids see everything. I used to have kids that would come and tell me, Pastor, my parents come to church. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, raising their hands. And once they get in their car, they're cutting their heads off. They're cursing at each other. They're mad. Oh, I love working with young people. They tell you things straight out. You know how I find out most of the things that are happening in the church? Because I'm involved with the young people of the church. And with the kids. And the kids come and tell me, Pastor, you know what my, my dad did today? I'm like, don't tell me what your dad did. And some of them, man, they're open books. I'm like, all right, don't tell me that much, man. I don't need to know all that. 
We know a couple of those that talk and talk and talk. I wrote here, raising children can test your integrity. What areas of your life do you struggle to maintain an example, life pattern for your children to follow? And today I want you to tell the Lord, Lord, I want you to help me in this area because they're watching me. They're following me. They're coming right after me. I got one minute left, so write these two things down. Talent is a gift, but integrity is a choice. And I'm going to dive into that in the second service. Talent is a gift, but integrity is our choice. Choices that we make, our faith, our attitude, and our character. And integrity is part of what? Our character. Part of our character. It says that Job was what? He was blameless. And I'm just going to throw this at you, just to throw it. Just to have it there. Who are your heroes and the people that you admire? What can you say about their character? Are they people worth imitating? Because today I hear people, oh, I love this guy. I love that guy. This guy's my hero. That guy's my hero. Okay, talk to me about their character. How are they? How do they walk? Because Proverbs 22.1 says, a good name is better than great riches. A good name is better than great riches. And the last one that I want to give you, our integrity reflects Jesus to this world. Our integrity reflects Jesus to this world. Numa stands on integrity. This is my definition on it. We believe that we must live in integrity because we are open letters before God and men to give a real testimony and not be a stumbling block to the gospel of Christ. And I want to close with this thought. The moment that you put the label Christian over your life, that's a hard label. You know that the word Christian, what it means is little Christ. And they named the believers in Antioch Christians, which meant they were followers of Christ. They were little Christs, wherever they would go. And the question that I ask myself all the time is, am I representing Christ correctly in this that I'm doing? In the way that I'm walking, in the way that I'm treating people, in the way, look at me, in the way that I handle my finances, because some of us are not walking in integrity in our finances. And I'm not even talking about your tithes and offerings. I can get to that later. But if you tell somebody, I'm going to pay you this much for this, make sure you pay them and on time. Some of you guys have hospital bills from 30 years ago and never dealt with them. That talks about integrity and the way that you handle money. He who is faithful in the little things, God will entrust to the much. You got to pay attention to the little details, to the small things, and those things will graduate you to greater things. But the most important thing is for us to understand we are representing Jesus. And some people don't want to hear about our Jesus because they've seen us and they say, you and Jesus don't match. You and Jesus don't look like each other. I don't need to have long hair and blue eyes to look like Jesus. My attitude and my actions and my character needs to look like Jesus. 
You guys are hearing what I'm telling you? I'm tired of us Christians making him look bad. I'm tired of us saying, oh yeah, I love God, but your actions are not showing it. And we need to align our lives because Jesus is not going to align his life. <laughs> you got to align yourself to the word of God, to his teaching, to his spirit. And say, Lord, work in me. I need you to do something in my heart. So this morning, I want you to close your eyes right there where you're at. And I want you to check this integrity gauge in your life right now. How is this integrity gauge in your life? What's that area that there's a fault line right now? And that you, you leave unchecked, it might cause problems in your life. There with your eyes closed, what area of integrity do you struggle with the most? Maybe it's honesty. Maybe it's the consistency part. Maybe it's money. It could be in your marriage or your motives. It could be moral temptation. What areas of integrity do you tell the Lord, Lord, I need you to work in my life. There with your eyes closed, have a conversation with him. Talk with the Lord right there where you're at as we worship up here. Thanks again for listening. If you liked what you've heard, subscribe to our channel and share it with others. Now, for more content from NUMA and to connect with us, visit our webpage at numachurchmiami.org. We love you and we hope to connect with you soon.